Hi, welcome back to Dear Aunt Susan Advice on Being Human. I'm your host, Aunt Susan Patang from the Quiet Zone Coaching. And what we do on this show is we talk about essential coping skills to help you get through the stresses of life when you suffer from them and when life is hard. So let me start here. The other day, I stumbled across a deck of cards that's called Oblique Strategies. It was written by Brian Eno and Peter Schmidt, and it contains little blurbs that are designed to get past creative blocks. Now, Brian Eno is a really well-known musician. I'm sure a lot of you know who he is. And Peter Schmidt, I believe, is an artist. And a lot of creative folks um, come across every once in a while that I'm stuck feeling. So they're halfway through a painting or a composition or a piece of writing that they're doing and they're stuck. They don't, they have the blank canvas factor. They can't figure out where to go next. Uh, we don't know what to do. And Brian Eno and Peter Schmidt created oblique strategies to help them with this. So you pick one out and they all have, each card has its own little saying on it. And what's so interesting is that each of those little sayings can be applied to life in general. So not only are they helping you overcome that block by thinking in a different way, but you can kind of look at that and go, huh, wow, I never thought of things that way. It helps you get a new perspective. The one that I was looking at just now, it says a line has two sides. So let's take a look at that. A line does have two sides. No matter what thickness it is, there is always an edge on the top and an edge on the bottom or on one side or the other if it's vertical. There are two sides on either side of the line too. The line is dividing the paper. So which is it? Is it dividing the paper or is it the line itself that has two sides? And my suggestion to you is that it's both. You might not see it that way. You might have another answer entirely about that line on that paper. And that's the point. There are usually two or more ways to view things. There are generally at least two opinions on how to solve the same problem. Just because we think one way is the right way to do something or the right thing to think or believe that this is the right thing. That doesn't mean that there aren't other options and that other people don't think a different way. Other people have the right to their own behavior and beliefs. It doesn't matter if they're right. It doesn't matter if they're demented. It doesn't matter if they're wrong. And it doesn't matter if they're nasty. Our expectations of what anyone else in the world should or shouldn't do isn't going to change a damn thing. It's not going to change the course of anybody's life. It's not going to make them behave the way that you want them to behave. And it's not going to change the weather on Jupiter. It's just not. There will always be at least two candidates running for office. We aren't all going to support just one person. Okay. Even if the other one was pure evil. And even then nothing is certain. There will always be differing opinions on politics, solutions to problems, uh, such as the economy and poverty and healthcare and crime and stuff like that. And you know what? There may be times when you are absolutely right. People should not behave in a certain way. 
Your mother-in-law shouldn't be telling you how to raise your kids. The store clerk doesn't have to be rude. You're absolutely right. It's not good for business. And that jerk shouldn't have cut you off in traffic. You are absolutely right. And guess what? They did. So your expectation of how somebody else should or shouldn't behave is meaningless. They did. They did whatever it was that they did, even if you were absolutely right. So a good plan is to change the way that we view this stuff because a line has two sides. So first of all, allow others to have opposite opinions and viewpoints. Instead of saying or thinking, wow, that's just wrong, say or think instead, well, that's interesting. I don't see it that way, but this is how somebody else thinks. So I'm going to accept it. By the way, listening to others is really a great way to learn new things. So don't be too quick to dismiss what other people think. Just saying, okay? When we were kids, we were told to keep our eyes on our own paper, right? So don't worry so much about what other people are doing. Don't worry about what the answers to the test are that they're giving. Recognize their perspective, okay? But keep your eyes on your own paper until their actions impact you negatively, all right? So we were talking about the mother-in-law that tells you how to raise your kids, the store clerk who's nasty, okay? I'm going to steal two phrases that apply to things that have two sides. The first is be the change you want to see. And all that means is to be an example. Show others what you think the right way is to behave, the right thing to do, the right way to feel. Show them how you feel. You don't have to beat them over the head with it. They're allowed to have their viewpoint, but be an example. That's probably the best way to teach other people something is be the change you want to see. And this also treat, teaches other people how you want to be treated. So if you're kind and caring to other people, chances are that they're going to mirror your behavior. Okay. Human beings tend to be like that. They tend to mirror the behavior of the people that they're with. The second concept is to think globally and act locally. We can't always change things. We can't change the factory that's belching smoke out into the atmosphere. We can't change somebody else's behavior. We can't change the things in the world that are wrong, that need to be fixed, like starving people and inequality and racism. We can't always change that. So you be the change you want to see, like we just said, and also think globally, act locally. That's an old saying from the the 70s um, that environmentalists used to use. So you can't change big things like that, but you can do what you can do in your own corner of the world. So if you're concerned about environmental issues, recycle. Don't waste anything. Shut the water off when you brush your teeth. Make sure your recycling gets in the can and make sure your trash goes in the garbage. Do what you can. What is something that you can do personally? Treat everybody kind with kindness and love and respect if you're concerned about racism. Um, donate money to uh, uh, 
homeless shelters or to soup kitchens or volunteer at one or make sandwiches and hand them out uh, to homeless people. Whatever it is that you can do in your corner of the world, think globally, what's a, what's the a solution to the problem and act locally, do it in your own corner of the world, all the while being the change that you want to see. That's one. Okay. But sometimes people are going to cross a line and treat you badly. It's going to happen. Now, what you're going to have to do is create a boundary. Okay. So this is, this is what I'm willing to tolerate. And once somebody's behavior goes over that line, now I'm going to have to set a limit. Knowing where to set that boundary sometimes can be difficult because there are times when we might tolerate more than what we normally would for the greater good. Okay. Like with your mother-in-law, you don't want your partner to have to hear it later. Or if your partner does something to annoy you, how important is it really? Let it go. Okay. Or if they really want something, how important is it that you don't get what you want and you let them have what they want? There are going to be times when that boundary, that boundary may move. Okay. But when somebody crosses the boundary, you are going to have to set a limit. You're going to have to say, no, you can't come over that line. Okay, now you're impacting me negatively and it's not acceptable and it's going to stop. And here's how you do that. First of all, you're going to use a a strategy called reflective listening. And this is where you reflect back to the other person what you're hearing them say. So it sounds like you think, I'm hearing that you want It seems like your opinion is whatever. What you're doing is you are validating the fact that they have an opinion because they are allowed to have an opinion. They are allowed to have their behavior. But when it crosses over the line, now you have to stop it. Sometimes people who cross lines and who are, for lack of a better word, abusive to us, They just want to be heard. They just want somebody to listen to them. And validating that by using reflective listening lets them know that you're hearing them. I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Here it is. You're telling me that this is how you feel. Okay. Sometimes that's enough to shut them down right in their tracks right there. If it's not, the next step is to set a limit by using what's called the XYZ statement. When you do X, I feel Y, and I'd like Z. So what you're doing is identifying the specific behavior that's crossing the line, that's crossing the boundary that you've set, telling how it impacts you negatively, and asking for what you want. The final step is to offer a solution and to be cooperative and uh, compromise in creating one if you have to. Okay, so let's see what that sounds like. I'm going to give you um, two examples that are uh, more work-based, but you'll get the idea from these. So first one, it sounds like you're angry that I didn't call you. When you get upset that I don't fill you in on every client that I see, I feel micromanaged and I'd like that to stop. What can we do to keep you in the loop without me feeling micromanaged? Okay. Reflective listening. It sounds like you're angry that I didn't call you. 
So you are reflecting back, wow, this is what I'm hearing. When you get upset that I don't fill you in on what client I'm seeing, when you do X, I feel micromanaged. I feel Y. And I'd like that to stop. And I'd like Z. What can we do to keep you in the loop without you feel without me feeling micromanaged? And there's the potential solution. Let's work on a solution. Notice that I have the person asking the, the criticizer who stepped over the line for a solution. When you ask somebody else for the solution to a problem or a suggestion on how to solve the problem, they're much more likely to stick to it. Um, how many of you have ever said to your partner uh, or to a friend, hey, I think we should do this. This will solve our problem. And they dismiss it. Oh, no, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. And then five minutes later, they say, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't we do this? And it's exactly what you said. Right. Okay. When it's their idea, they're willing to do it. Okay. So let them have the idea, even if it was yours first. That's okay. Let them have the idea because that solves the problem. That's what you want, right? Is to solve the problem. Okay. Number two, here's a second example. It seems like you're upset that I made a mistake. When you point out my mistakes in front of the rest of the staff, I feel ashamed and discouraged. I'd like to speak to you privately when you have advice for me. How would you like to set that up? So reflective listening. It seems like you're upset that I made a mistake. When you point out my mistakes in front of the rest of the staff, there's the behavior, X. I feel ashamed and discouraged. This is how their behavior makes you feel. I'd like to speak to you privately when you have advice for me. This is what I want. When is a good time for us to talk about that? So what you're doing is you're saying, if you have a criticism for me, when is a good time for us to get together and talk about those things privately? I think you get the idea. Another great thing that you can do is to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Remember that that line has two sides. So put yourself on the other side of the line for a minute and see what's going on. What made, made somebody behave the way that they did? Now, that doesn't justify what they did if they crossed a boundary. But when we have some compassion or empathy or just kind of look at it from their perspective and understand what it is they're going through, it helps us stay calmer. And that is a really crucial, important thing for when you are resolving any kind of conflict is to stay calm. So, for example, your boss, they might have had an argument with their spouse this morning. They might have come out to the driveway to find a flat tire on their car. Maybe there was a lot of traffic or maybe their boss came down and yelled at them. So you know how crap rolls downhill. You just happen to be the next person in line. It may not have anything to do with you. It may just be that they're frustrated over something completely different. And you can bring that up in conversation too. You could say, wow, you know, if somebody snaps at you that normally doesn't, wow, what's, what's wrong? You seem like you're upset about something. Is there anything that you want to talk about? Can I help? So now you sound like a good friend instead of, you don't have to talk to me that way. There's a difference, okay? It's possible that the other person never learned how to be kind and caring, 
it could be that they were never raised, that they were raised in a dysfunctional environment and never learned um, how to deal with their stress. And it stinks to be them if that's the case, right? So if you're putting yourself in somebody else's shoes who is habitually nasty and habitually criticizes you and you keep setting the limit and they keep coming back for more, think about what where they're coming from. Think about what environment they grew up in or what environment they live in now or what could possibly be going on in their mind to make them that way. And boy, it's got to suck to spend your time like that and live your life like that, right? Have feels bad for them. Have some pity for that. That's that's pretty bad. Um, it's got to be awful to be crabby like that all the time. So if their behavior crosses the line, you, you set that limit. But by having, like we were saying before, by having that compassion for what others are experiencing, it takes away some of our own irritation and helps us stay calm. And having some compassion for other people may even give us a way that we can be the person we want to see and help them in some way. So what can I do to help you with that? Is there something I could do? You want to talk about that? Um, Whatever is comfortable for you. But now that gives you an opportunity to be the person you want to see, to be the change in the world that you want to see. There are at least two perspectives to every story. And there are at least two outcomes to nearly every event, to nearly everything that happens. Recognize that the line has two sides and let the rest of the world own their own side. If you like what you've heard today and you think that you might be able to pick up some new essential coping skills, if you're suffering when life gets stressful and you want to learn how to wake up happy in the morning again, you can go to www.thequietzonecoaching.com. I do have some spaces open for some new coaching clients, and it's a lot less than what you think it might cost. I always, always start off with a free essential life skills and essential coping skills assessment so that we can see what's going on in your life and what we can do to get you to waking up happy in the morning. That's always free. So please go to my website, www.thequietzonecoaching.com and look at what I have to offer, contact me. And there are links there to my calendar too. So until next week, have a wonderful, awesome, amazing week. Namaste.